Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I'm a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now, and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. All right. Yeah, we're we're doing it. We're doing it. We're talking about poo. And I have the best guest. She puts the poo in Raquel Papu. It literally is her name. She is a registered dietitian and licensed nutritionist based in Miami. She is passionate about helping her patients reach their health goals through nutrition education. And she firmly believes in the importance of sustainability and bio-individuality when it comes to dietary patterns. Raquel ultimately aims to teach flexibility in nutrition in order to create awareness, but never obsession around food. That's a tough one. She's also a mom to two young children, ages two and one, and is here to share both her personal and professional experience regarding children and gut health. And we're talking about poo. Okay. And constipation. Welcome. I'm Raquel. so excited. Thank you so much, Robin, for having me. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to talk to you and thank you for letting me make a little joke about your last name. I love it. It's of course. <laughs> it's just so memorable. I love it. it. Be done. Okay. So, okay. I want to go back. The reason why I wanted to talk to you about this is because constipation has touched my life <laughs> in ways like everyone. I never expected, right? You know, you have a baby, you never think about constipation. You always think poop, but constipation, you think the poop is free flowing and it's not <laughs> necessarily. I remember when one of my boys, I shall not name names, was potty training and there was some fear around pooping. And so what happens is, and I remember talking to my doctor about this, what happens is they hold on to it and then the pressure kind of goes away. It's like when you wear a hat, right? You forget you're wearing a hat after a totally. while, right? Yeah. And then, and, but then it gets, then it gets more built up and then it becomes this sort of big monster that you have to deal with. 
in the bathroom. And so starts this cycle of having to go, not wanting to go, holding it, it building up and then it becoming too big. And then the and then whole cycle, chronic. the yes. whole cycle starts over and over again and it becomes chronic. Exactly. So let's talk about constipation and why kids get constipated in the first place. Can you just let's, sort of rattle that off for us? Of course, Robin, that's actually a perfect segue because I actually want to talk about the causes of constipation. And the first one actually is potty training. So just as you said, kids are starting to use the bathroom on their own and they're scared to use the potty at daycare or the toilet. Maybe they want like their mini potty or their Mickey potty and they don't want to go anywhere else. So that is one of the main causes. But in terms of like dietary interventions, there are a whole host of other ones. So the first one would be uh, dehydration or lack of water. So water and fluids stimulate bowel movements and soften stools. So just making sure the kids are hydrated, even if they don't like water, right? getting maybe lemonade in them or some fruit juice or anything that really hydrates them. Of course, my number one is water, but just any way to keep them hydrated is going to be number one for bowel movements. Another thing that kids often kind of forget to have, or maybe we as parents forget to give them as much is fiber. So fiber, think plants. So fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, all that stuff Fiber is super important for maintaining regular bowel movements. There are two types of fiber actually that we need. So the first type is the soluble. Soluble means soluble in water. And it's like kind of that soft fiber. So like legumes, beans, lentils, oats, things that are like starchier, Mm -hmm. softer, the flesh of the fruits, things like that all have soluble fiber. And soluble fiber actually gives stool that bulk sorry to get so (laughs) I love it (laughs) and then the second type of fiber super important too is this insoluble fiber more like tough outer parts of fruits and vegetables things like nuts seeds wheat bran oat bran leafy greens all things that sometimes toddlers or babies or kids kind of don't want right you don't want the leafy Mm. greens you don't want the nuts it's kind of just it's like that game of getting in the fiber where they are going to enjoy it, but actually making them eat these plants and beneficial things. So what insoluble does is that insoluble fiber speeds up the transit time. So we have the soluble giving it bulk Mm. and the insoluble speeding up the transit time. In terms of dietary fiber, so the recommended intakes, a one to three-year-old would need something around, let's say 19 grams of fiber is ballpark. An avocado has 10 grams. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. 19 grams of fiber a day? A day. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So a one to three-year-old, let's say we're talking about toddlers, needs 19 grams of fiber per day. That would be the recommended intake. And one avocado has 10 grams of fiber. So let's say we give half an avocado at breakfast, half an avocado at lunch, and then two tablespoons of chia seeds has nine grams of fiber. So if we just add in two tablespoons in a smoothie or like in some overnight oats as a snack or even a blended chia pudding with some cacao powder, a little maple syrup, something like that. They're all good with their fiber intake for the day. So it doesn't have to be crazy. Just kind of getting creative about ways to add in more fiber for the kids. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So do you do this anyway, even if there isn't a constipation issue and this would hopefully stop it from happening if things are flowing well I would think even potty training wouldn't be wouldn't create that issue 
Exactly. A hundred percent. When I, when they're regular potty training seems to not be an issue. It's just mm -hmm. maybe when they are potty training, I think becomes an issue when the kids are straining or have really hard bowel movements or straining a lot and they just have pain. That's when potty, potty training may become an issue for constipation. If it's kind of like smooth and not really difficult to pass, it should be a simple two sec, well, one minute in the potty and not really an issue. Kids kind of start getting scared when it's painful and uncomfortable. Yeah, totally. And it, it is tough because they want to do it at home or like, or at least not in public. Uh, exactly. And by public, I mean a public toilet. Those are intimidating. They flush by themselves. You know, oh things my, God, are my daughter is so scared of the automatic flushing. She's like, let's every time she goes in, she's like, let's do something. I'll poop and then we don't flush. Okay. And there'll be a surprise for someone else. I'm like, no, oh. we can't do that. Yeah. You know what? A friend of mine told me when our kids were both really little, she's like, I just cover the sensor like with the jacket or with some toilet paper. So maybe that's what you need to do. Cover up the sensor. Great tip. I'm on yeah. it. Yeah. Great tip. Okay. So, so I've heard things over the years and I wonder if this is true or not. Is there a connection between, you know, the growing body, the, the, the way the intestine matures and grows and constipation. Is there any, is there any physiological reasons why our kids might be constipated? So there was that theory and a lot of studies actually were conducted in order to see if there are any physiological changes that go on during adolescence or even during toddlerhood. And actually the studies show that there really isn't any physiological oh. changes, but what actually does end up happening is that either through picky eating or just because yeah. a lack of time or lack of creativity, us as parents, and I include myself a hundred percent, like there are some Sundays that I'm like a crazy person and it's just all day we're home and there's, I have no creativity to cook. I'm like, oh my God, what are we eating for breakfast? For breakfast, like a cereal, or you know what I mean? It's yeah. very common. Yeah, for, for kids to kind of stop eating as much fiber when they're little, when we start like baby little weaning, right? We start and we're like, pumpkin and zucchini fries and all of these things and then they're three and they're eating like pop tarts i mean that's not the case yeah exactly so i think it's mostly due to a fact that their routine changes and their nutrient intake changes and they get a little bit more picky and then they also can talk so a one-year-old can't really talk but a three-year-old is like i want those oreos i want that chocolate i don't want the broccoli you know when they're younger they maybe don't have so much freedom of expression and then once yes. they're older they're like choosing and they're like, I can lead myself. You know how they are. Yes. Well, and they realize that they have a say, you know, whether, whether we like it or not. I think that, you know, it's those years too, where parenting gets harder. You know, I, people always ask me, who do I work with? Uh, like how old do the kids have to be? And I'm like, at least two, because two is when they start to really tick you off. Oh, <laughs> the is over and they realize they're separate from you and if you go one way they can go the yeah. other and they're not a part of you anymore so yes that 100%. makes a lot it makes a and lot actually, of sense I wanted to mention something else that actually goes right into this so a lack of physical activity is also a cause of constipation so a lot of babies and kids are kind of toddlers they're running around they're they're crawling they're exploring and then once they hit maybe three or four they're like okay i'm over this like give me an ipad give me mm. you know like all the sedentary activities that kids are kind of drawn to in our society these days so it's very normal for kids to have less physical activity as they grow older and it just 
it's our responsibility as parents and also for them just for their general health to make sure that they're not sedentary you know go on the scooter go on the bicycle go play after school sports um take them to the dance class whatever it is that you could do to just kind of get them more active is going to actually also help stimulate bowel movements both increasing transit time so same as fiber but also it'll affect mechanical motility so just physically Mm -hmm. moving it's also going to get that those bowel movements physically moving so in other words, iPads cause constipation. Well, yeah, if you want to, if you want to say, like, yeah, no, but I mean, that makes perfect sense. And look, we've got to keep our kids moving no matter what it's good for their brain. It's good for their body. It's good for their sensory system and it's good for the poop. So <laughs> let's make sure we're keeping our kids moving. And look, I have said it many times before, and I will say it again, just because you opened the doorway for me to say it, wait as long as humanly possible to give your child any kind of device. Our kids are naturally curious. They want to explore the world. Let's let them do that naturally through the outdoors, even the 100%. indoors, but not with more devices. Yeah. So, okay. So here's the thing, whether we like it or not, sometimes it happens that is no, you know, through no fault of our own, we're trying the best that we can. Every mom and dad listening, like, I know you're trying the best that you can. What is the first line of intervention when this starts to creep up on us? What do we do first? If there's constipation? Yeah. Yeah. So me as a dietitian, I have a food first approach. Always, always, always. I'm not going to run out and tell you to buy whatever supplement food first, always. So I look at dietary and lifestyle interventions first. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to offer the child high fiber food. So all the things we said, I actually always have cut up fruit in containers, in my refrigerator, in eye level. So that first kind of shelf in the refrigerator mm. always have like three or four cut up fruits and always kind of I, I I change them up so I have berries I have melon I have papaya I have all the stuff and they kind of just see that instead of the first thing they're opening to is like the breads or the cheeses or something which is all very healthy still but you want to prioritize plants and fruits and vegetables right um, so that's the first thing you offer foods high in fiber to the kids um there are also some things I call functional foods so high fiber foods that are specifically functional and target constipation. So things like pitaya, have you ever heard of pitaya? It's a fruit. No, no. So so in the United States, it's called dragon fruit. I'm originally from Colombia, actually. I was born in Colombia. That's why maybe you'll hear a little twinge of an accent. Yes. Uh, So I was born in Colombia. And that's actually like a very, very common fruit that in the United States, it's not very common, but you can find in a lot of supermarkets. And in Canada, I'm sure you can find as well. Beautiful fruit. Pitaya. Yeah, beautiful. It's so the outside is yellow. The inside can either be hot pink or white with black seeds. Yes. And it's so good for constipation for both prevention and treating. So things like pitaya, kiwi is also great. That same kind of concept of the little tiny seeds providing that fiber. Papaya as well. Prunes are great. I actually love making this prune paste for my kids. So I'll take the prunes. I'll pour boiling water over the prunes and I'll seep them. And then I'll kind of mash up the prunes, give them that paste as the prune paste. And I'll also save the water as a juice. So it's like a prune juice water thing, but it's not really juice. It's just like the the water that's that was soaking it, the prunes in. Interesting. Yeah. And I, that always helps me a lot for my kids. Another thing that I call functional foods would be chia seeds and then jicama as well. So those would be my food first approach. 
Water and fluid intake, of course, as I said, if they don't like plain water, I mean, water would be number one, but maybe lemonade or dilute some juice with some water. And then also promoting physical activity as well. As we said, a whole host of benefits for bowel movements. So is there, okay, so food first, and you're talking high fiber foods. And I was going to ask you, what are some of the best ones? And you already answered my question, which is great. So we're talking dragon fruit, kiwi, papaya, prunes, chia seeds. Uh, you said jicama. Yeah, jicama is so, great. Is it? Okay, that's great. And and kids, you, kids like this. Like these are yeah. easy to eat foods, right? These Probably are- it's not is, something crazy. Is there any, like- it, you know, what about dried fruits and that sort of thing? How does, like, how does that, does it, as good? Yeah, great question. So a lot of people think, and I, I remember even my grandparents, they're like, oh, you're constipated, have constipated, have a date or have some dried fruit. And actually there is some, there's of course some fiber in that dried fruit, but in order to actually make a bowel movement, you need a lot of water. So oh, if you're yeah. not consuming, so think about fruit, how it's, you know, fruit is perfectly packaged in this mm. water, fiber, insoluble fiber, soluble fiber. So you think of a whole fruit. And then when it's dried, it's kind of withered away and just has no water. So as long as you're having your dried fruit with a ton of water, I'm happy. I love it. If you're just going to have tons of dried fruit and no water, that actually can back you up a little more because yeah. it's that stool, but there's no way for the stool to actually pass through the large intestine because there's no water. So it's not really, you know what I mean? It's not being easily exited. (laughs) And some kids get so backed up. You can see it on an x-ray. You can see it like all the way up. So it can be a massive problem and we really do want to avoid this. So really, what do we say or what do you say about medical intervention in terms of like, should we use a laxative? Should we use yeah. some stuff? Yeah. I, mean, I think that most adults would be like, bring on the laxative, right? Because it's yeah, I mean, too. quick fix. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like I hate to say it, but it's true, yeah. right? Yeah. So this is what I do when with my pediatric patients or with my own kids. I see two things. So one, are they actually constipated? Meaning, are they having less than three bowel movements a week? So that would be constipation, less than three bowel movements a week. So are they maybe just a little bit harder than usual? Fine, let's just give them more fruits, more water, more vegetables, chia seeds, flax seeds, all the things they may get a little bit more regular. If they're having less than three bowel movements a week and they have been doing all the lifestyle interventions that I just spoke about, and they've been implementing them consistently for a few weeks now, and there's been no improvement, that's when supplementation or medical intervention may be of use. So first, always ask your pediatrician, of course, don't just go out and buy whatever laxative um, you think that is going to be good for the child. But there are specific ones that I happen to like. So number one, I always, 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 always want those laxatives to be natural and Mm. ideally over-the-counter fiber supplements and stool softeners so not like a chemical laxative that's just going to create this explosive diarrhea they're going to feel so sick and you know it sounds horrible we know we know it yeah you know it like those like fleet enemas that really make you feel horrible like those that is totally not something i would ever recommend but there are definitely laxatives that are more gentle but still as efficient so things that contain fiber, one of my favorites would be psyllium husk. Psyllium husk can be bought at any pharmacy. 
it's basically like this seed ground into this powder and it's just really high fiber you combine it with water and it's very effective but it's really gentle okay and then for another laxative there are things that contain prunes or different herbs prunes are always great you could eat them whole you could have the juice but there's a brand i like called prune lax okay that uses prunes and an herb called senna they make gummies they make a liquid and oh. it's also just easy to give the kids and it's oh. natural and it's effective Oh, I love that there's a gummy version of it. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be honest, we've got to do the path of least resistance <laughs> when it comes to our kids, right? Because exactly. we know better, but they may resist it. And look, there, there's been problems in my home. Again, I'm not going to name names, but there have been, and there's been resistance towards the cure. So we, you know, totally. so whatever is easier is really what yeah. we got to do. And, and once we get the problem cleared, we can continue to add more things in, but what is the danger of being that backed up? You know, what is that, what does that do? What are symptoms like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So the biggest mo- number one symptom is going to be a child that has no appetite is losing weight. And basically what happens is that they're so backed up that they just feel uncomfortable and full. So they don't want to eat. And it kind of starts happening that they refuse food. They're not hungry because they're not realizing they're just so constipated that they're not being able to eat. And that leads to weight loss. And then that can kind of cause growth retardation and things like that, which we obviously never want. Um, That would be one of the most, I guess, dangerous or most in your face symptom. Then other ones would just be like, stomach pain complaints, even if they don't have a virus or like you've ruled out everything else and they're just constantly complaining of stomach aches or just difficulty going to the bathroom, just really having difficulty passing those stools, you know, straining a lot. Those were all these symptoms of somebody that's very backed up and that can actually be very effective to use a laxative if they need and if Mm. the pediatrician clears them to do so. Right. Okay. Okay. So I just want to recap a little bit. So less than three bowel movements a week equals constipation, right? That is a, your first warning sign, right? If, and then we're looking for things like no appetite, losing weight, stomach pain, uh, and, and the result can be uh, a stoppage or, or a slowdown in growth, which exactly. we don't want to have. And so uh, where, where we start to get into trouble is starts can start at potty training. It could be dehydration. And what we need to do in order to really help our kids is to keep high fiber foods, fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. We want that soluble fiber, the insoluble fiber, and we want to look for foods if our child is constipated, like the dragon fruit, the pataya, kiwi, papaya, prunes, chia seeds. And if you are going to need some kind of a laxative, if your healthcare provider approves it, you're going to look for something like psyllium husk or prune lax, which we've just talked about that has gummies and has different ways for you to consume the, um, the product, which will will really help. So I want to, so I want to just say thank you for all of that. And I, and, and I think this is really going to help parents too, because like, this is one of those issues that like, we don't really want to talk about. Although as a mom, I talk about poo more than I ever would (laughs) or ever wanted to. Same. Um, Yeah. And, but I do want to talk about you a little bit. And I just want to say, I'm so impressed with what you have out there 
you Thank have you. the most wonderful Instagram. I've only just checked you out on Instagram, but I know you're on TikTok. I know you're on Facebook. Uh, you have a website as well. And I'm all of that's going to be in the show notes, but you want to look for Raquel at Raw Kale by Raquel. So she is Raw Kale by Raquel everywhere. Um, exactly. Even though we're gonna we're gonna start to uh, we're gonna start to promote her as Raquel Papu, who puts the poo in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, (laughs) but the thing is, you've got some amazing recipes that I'm going to steal from you. Like the, um, the, the chocolate chip muffins look incredible and they're, (laughs) they're so delicious, but you are so focused on low sugar, high fiber, right? Healthy choices that are also yummy. And like, that's everything, right? Yes. I actually love that you brought that up, Robin, because so I actually had crazy some you would never think that a dietitian would get this. But for both of my pregnancies, I got gestational diabetes and it's genetic. It's Mm. just the placenta making more insulin resistance in your body. And really, it took me a long time to kind of not blame myself for it, of course. Yeah. As a dietitian, I know more than anyone that there wasn't anything that I could do. But anyways, I did get gestational diabetes in both of my pregnancies. And I know that that puts me at a higher risk to then develop type type two diabetes. And that also puts my kids at higher risk to develop prediabetes or type two diabetes. That's why I'm so passionate about not stuffing their faces with sugar, because I, I don't want them to be they, they may already be a little bit less sensitive to sugar, a little bit more insulin resistant. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want them to then develop something a little later on. So I'm so focused on glycemic index, just kind of blood sugar response. I'm always experimenting with myself. I put on these uh, glucometers. Have you seen them? They're like little stickers mm-hmm. on their arm. They're really interesting. There's a bunch of brands that have them now, but they, it's like a little sticker and it's a glucometer, continuous glucose monitor. And you see what your blood sugar does throughout your day. I do a lot of videos on that. Actually, I do like experiments and I'll see what spikes my blood sugar, what doesn't. It's actually really interesting. So I'm so interested in this. And yeah, I just love to share yummy, healthy recipes that are low in sugar, high in fiber, because I feel like in order to eat healthy, it doesn't have to be boring. It can be delicious things. So I just love to share that with my followers and just with everyone else. Well, and I like that you have a one-year-old and a two-year-old because I'm sure you are challenged in some regard with their pickiness, right? Because all kids are picky and you get stuck in that, in that like chicken nuggets, uh, chicken strips, you know, French fries, uh, butter noodles. I mean, yeah, everything like is white. Yes. A hundred percent. But it's also, there's, there's no fiber in it. And how do you sneak it in? You know, uh, how do you get it in? How do you keep your child healthy? Yeah. And it so, is, it is a source of a lot of angst for so many moms. And I just want to say, it's really interesting. And this has got to stop mama, not just with you, but in general, but it's so interesting that you said as a dietitian, I got gestational diabetes and it took me a while to not blame myself. Come on. We cannot blame ourselves for something like that. Like we cannot, like you said, it's just the placenta, right? 100%. So like, that's one of those things that we do. So you've got mom guilt before you even have your child in your arms. Yeah. It's crazy. Mom guilt starts when you conceive. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it sure does. And that's just, you know, we got to go easier on ourselves. We're doing the best we can. I agree. I agree. So yeah, in terms of like sneaking in all these vegetables. So 
I actually like for my kids to see the vegetables because then when they're older, they're going to, I mean, restaurants aren't going to be sneaking vegetables into their meals. True, you know what I mean? So when they're older, I kind of like for them to see, like, I like broccoli. I like cauliflower. What I actually do is that I serve it in a yummy way. I never plain steam anything. Like oh. I will. Yeah. Like who wants ruined vegetables for a whole generation. Everyone, exactly. I'll kind of saute them in a little bit of butter or olive oil, mm. yummy sauces, like even a little bit of like low sugar teriyaki or homemade teriyaki with like a little bit of maple syrup or honey, or mm. even like some stevia or monk fruit. If the, the child is old enough to have it, of course. Um, I always offer some yummy dips as well. So my daughter loves nice. cucumbers because she loves hummus. She loves hummus. So like, she, but now she kind of associates the cucumbers with the hummus and at least she's eating the cucumbers as well. So yeah. just like serving yummy dips, sauces, even if it's like Thousand Island dressing, I don't care. Like as long as they're eating those fruits and vegetables. So that's one way that I like to see it. Like for them to actually be seeing this vegetable whole and saying like, oh, this is yummy. This is roasted. It has some olive oil. It has the yummy flavors. It has some raisins in it. Like whatever, just kind of up the flavor profile and just not a steamed vegetable. Yeah. And the second way is just, I'll sneak them in things that they you would never really taste. So like a pasta sauce. So like mm. you'll do a marinara and I'll just chop like carrots and, and, tomatoes and garlic and zucchini and cauliflower and I'll just blend it up and they yeah. won't even realize that it's blended in there same goes with smoothies and smoothie bowls so yeah as long as there's like yummy toppings on the smoothie bowl like a little granola or you know some coconut shreds or whatever it is that they love yeah they're gonna love that yeah that's so good yeah and, and I agree with you I think it's it's a really good idea to to, to show them the food and sometimes we need to be sneaky. So it's a little bit of both, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Sure. And, and their taste buds and their, their, their palate, it, it evolves over time. I mean, there are reasons why due to our evolution, why certain foods are rejected by our kids because they're bitter and, you yeah. know, are, you know, are in our, in our outdated brains, you know, that, that, that does signal danger. So, exactly. you know, we're, we're sort of fighting our own evolution here a little bit. So um, that's one of the reasons why they reject those foods, but this has been so great. Thank you so much. And in the parent toolbox, you do have a handout on what to do, you know, what are the most powerful ways to get that poop moving exactly. and, uh, and you can download from the parent toolbox. So www.parent-toolbox.com. So Raquel, again, you can find her at rawkalebyraquel.com and um, rawkalebyraquel on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook. Yes. So yes. she is everywhere. And I'm guessing you love raw kale too. I mean, yeah, I guess I actually just made a kale salad yesterday. So if you're seeing this and you're seeing the salad, you're going to laugh. Yeah, but yeah, I think I saw it. Just it rhymed with the name and it was cute. It's cute. I mean, who doesn't love cute? All right. You are cute and you are Thank awesome. You. Thank you for sharing this. Thanks for being willing to talk about this. It's the first time I've really talked in depth about this other than maybe some potty training. And uh, so this has been really helpful. Thanks so much, Raquel. Thank you, Robin, for having me. This was awesome. 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 I loved it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. 
For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace.